as in um, this weekend we're going to be talking about uh, okay I'm going to I'm going to try to phrase this right faith and politics had better mix now some of you know well you ought not be preaching about politics you're a preacher you ought not be talking about politics politics are spiritual they have spiritual ramifications and I'm going to show you that and so anyway guess what if people hadn't mixed faith and politics America wouldn't be here so if if faith and politics, if faith and politics got us here, faith and politics are going to need to keep us here. Well, but tonight we're talking about hearing God. And so I want you to take the hand of your neighbor. And I want you to remember also that we're beginning that 40 days of prayer this Friday. This Friday. And I read today there's two massive prayer movements happening in America. And one of them is called 40 Days to Save America. The other one is called... If My People 2012. Both organizations or both movements have thousands of churches that are participating. So we're going to saturate the country in prayer for 40 days. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, defeated the devil, and he fasted 40 days, and, and uh, there's something about 40 days. And we're going to believe God to move in this country. How would you like to see a real revival? Amen. Amen. Wouldn't that be great? So let's pray. Father, we need to hear God. We ask you right now to give us hearing ears. Lord, how important it is for every believer in this house and everyone listening by radio to be able to hear the voice of the Father, to pick his voice out from amongst all the other voices. And so, Lord, we pray that you will sharpen our hearing, fine-tune our hearing. Lord, Give us hearing aids. We ask you to make us sensitive like never before to what God is saying to us. Now, will you just breathe a simple prayer to the Father and say, Father, give me a hearing ear and give my neighbor. Go ahead and pray for the person on either side of you. Say, Lord, give my neighbor a hearing ear, ears to hear what God is saying to them, to their lives, to their families, that they would hear the Lord. It's going to be so crucial that, that you hear God, that you're able to listen to him in the days to come. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, perk up and listen. All right. This is going to be a great series. I'm very excited about it. I'm going to just intro, just give you an introduction to everything that the Lord Jesus had to say and the apostles and the Bible as a whole about hearing God. It ought to be natural. Now, a, a secular world might say, well, that's psychotic. You're hearing voices. No, no, no. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Well, let's, let's just begin. Hearing God, the hearing ear, ears to hear. Let me give you a simple illustration that really spoke to me. A country boy went to visit a friend in New York City. It was about noon, and they were downtown by Times Square in Manhattan. The streets were filled with people. Cars were honking their horns. Sirens were wailing, and the sounds of the city were almost deafening. The country boy said, I hear a cricket. His friend said, you got to be kidding me. 
You couldn't possibly hear a cricket with all this noise. The country boy listened again and said, yep, I'm sure of it. I hear a cricket. The two boys listened very carefully for a moment. Then the country boy walked across the street to a big cement planter where some bushes were growing. He looked into the bushes, and sure enough, there was a cricket there. That's incredible, said the city boy. You must have superhuman ears. No, said the country boy. My ears are no different than yours. It all depends on what you're listening for. Now, I want to take that simple illustration and say there's a lot of believers in the world. I'm getting a little bit of feedback, David. There's a lot of believers in the world. But not all of them can pick out the Father's voice from amongst all the noise. We're so busy we don't hear Him. There's so much noise around us we don't hear Him. We've got to learn, like this country boy did with the sound of a cricket, we've got to learn to tune in, become sensitive to, listen for, and immediately respond to the voice of the Father. We want to be as tuned in to the voice of the Father as he was to a cricket in the midst of a noisy world. God's talking. Are we listening? How many of you want to hear him? Amen? Now, hearing his voice is crucial. Let me give you a couple of really good reasons. First one, spiritual growth. Faith comes by doing what? Hearing, hearing the Word of God. Not just hearing it like I'm talking to you, but hearing with understanding. That's the difference. Faith comes by hearing with understanding the Word of God. All right? Our faith is built when we hear really hear the word of the Lord. Another reason we need to really perk up and listen is for spiritual protection. Jesus said the sheep follow him, that is the shepherd, and they know his voice. Jesus said they know his voice. So we know the voice of the Lord when we hear it. He went on to say, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know or respond to the voice of strangers. There Christ is saying that we as his people know his voice and we're not supposed to be responding to the voice of strangers. Voice of the devil, foreign voices, voices that are not from God. We ought not be tuned into them or following them. All right? So for spiritual protection, for spiritual growth, we need to learn to hear the voice of the Father. Now, Jesus repeatedly said to his hearers, quote, He that has an ear to hear, let him hear. Translated, he that has an ear to understand the word of the Lord, to understand what God is saying, let him hear and understand. He emphasized the importance of truly hearing the word. Again and again, you can take Mark chapter 4 for one great example. Look at just the times in Mark 4 he talked about this. In verse 3, his first word to the crowd was, say it with me, listen. Listen. Verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then you go down to verse 23, if anybody has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 24, then it said, consider carefully what you hear. Let what you have heard Turn around the wheels of your mind, meditate on it, consider it, think about it, 
so that you can apply it in your life. Don't let it go in one ear, as we always say, and out the other. But when you hear a word from God, you ought to consider it. Think about it. Because the word of the Lord is powerful. The Bible says it's quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow. And it discerns the thoughts and motivations that are in our heart. So we need to hear that word because it's powerful to transform us, powerful to direct us, powerful to change us. Verse 33 in Mark 4, Jesus spoke the word to them literally as much as they could hear. He gave them all they could handle. Now that's five times in Mark 4 alone where Jesus talked about hearing, hearing the word of the Lord, hearing God. Now the phrase, he that has ears to hear, insinuates that there are those that do not have ears to hear. The voice of the Lord speaking to them. Our world's full of people that have ears, but they can't hear. They have ears, but they can't hear spiritually. They can hear me right now and pick up on the audio, but they can't hear as in understanding and responding to the word of the Lord. They're deaf. Have you ever talked to somebody about Jesus who's deaf? Spiritually speaking, it's very frustrating. What am I going to have to say to get you to get it? It takes the Spirit of God taking the blinders off their eyes. Now, when we are saved or born again, we receive a set of spiritual ears with which to hear the voice of our Father. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got great ears. Now turn to the other side and say, you've got spiritual ears. If you're saved, you've got spiritual ears to hear the voice of God. Can we give him praise for that? I'm so glad for that. That's good. Everybody in here is born again, has the ears, spiritual ears. Now, in the ancient church, I found this very interesting. When a person was baptized, the pastor would first take his fingers and touch the person's ears, and he would say what Jesus said over the deaf man that he, whose ears he opened, Ephatha, Ephatha. Epfatha. That is, be open. And, and then when they baptize people, they, they do this. I don't know if we're going to get into that or not. I don't want to stick my fingers in people's ears, but that's what they did. And it was a sign. It was their way of saying, here's what has happened to you as a child of God. You've received spiritual ears, and your ears are now open to hear the voice of the Father. The application was clear. We need the Holy Spirit to open our ears spiritually in order to be able to hear God's Word in the way we ought. We need a new nature. Without a new nature, you're never going to have spiritual ears. You're going to be spiritually deaf. This is what God has given us in our salvation. Your ears have been opened. When the Spirit calls you to repentance, you can hear what He's saying. When the Spirit assures you of God's forgiveness for Christ's sake, you hear that good news and you rejoice. The Bible talks about spiritual blindness and spiritual deafness. Jesus said, talked about eyes to see and ears to hear. Spiritual realities. In Luke's gospel, we see that as the confused and heartbroken disciples walked down the road to Emmaus, Jesus eased up to them and began to talk to them. And the Bible says he opened up to them all things concerning himself out of the scriptures. They didn't know who he was. He was the resurrected Christ, and they did not know who he was. But look what it says he did. The Bible adds, he opened their understanding. 
that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Now, will you catch that with me? I don't know about you, but before I knew the Lord, every once in a great while I would see some, I would see that black Bible sitting somewhere. I remember one time picking it up, seeing all the these and thous and wouldas, shouldas, couldas and all that. I remember thinking, this has got to be the most boring book in all the world, and I closed it and put it down. But I remember when I got saved, and I picked up that old black book, and I opened it up. It opened to Romans, and it leaped out at me. It began to talk to me. I couldn't put it down. I devoured the Word of God. What happened? From the time, the first time I picked up the Bible to that time, I had been born again, so I had ears to hear. The, the Holy Ghost was opening my understanding. See, right now, I'm not just teaching you, but there is another force, power, presence at work. And it's the Holy Spirit of God, and He is giving you the ability to understand spiritual things. The Lord alone is the one who gives us ears to hear. You cannot come up with it on your own. It comes from the miracle of being born again. I was reading about Saul, later the Apostle Paul. When he was blind, when the, the Lord knocked him down to the ground and he saw a great light and then he was blind and he was taken into another city and into a house and God sent a man named Ananias to him to pray for him. Ananias said this to him, the God of our fathers has chosen you, Saul, that you should know his will and see the just, just one and read the rest with me and hear the voice of his mouth. Same with you. He wants you to hear the voice of his mouth. Page after page in Scripture reveals God communing with people, with his voice, with his word. In Genesis 3.8, we see what Adam and Eve had commonly experienced. This is what they had before the fall. And they heard. What did they hear, everybody? Say it. The voice of the Lord. They heard the voice of the Lord walking. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Can you imagine that? I go out every morning with my Bible on our little patio and I get into the Word of God. It's my favorite time of day. My favorite. I can't wait to get there. Why? Because I want the Lord to talk to me. I want to take in His Word. But I can just imagine me going out there and sitting down and all of a sudden hearing the voice of the Lord walking around in my yard. But to them it was commonplace. How did they recognize Him? His voice. He spoke face to face with Moses, we're told. Elijah heard God's still, small voice. And he wrapped his face in the mantle and said, that's him. That's God. When Ezekiel heard God's voice, he compared it to the roar of rushing waters. God's voice thundered at Christ's baptism and on the Mount of Trans Transfiguration when God said, this is my beloved son, hear him. There's God commanding you and me to listen. We're to be tuned in to the cricket. We're to be tuned in. Hear ye him. Acts records the Holy Spirit continuously speaking to the first century believers. And guess what? If he did it then, he's doing it now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God wants to talk. Are we listening? It would violate the nature of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to say, God no longer speaks. God doesn't speak anymore. I know that's not true because He has spoken to me. He spoke to me this morning. 
not in an audible voice, but through his word. Amen? The Father repeatedly spoke to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, the patriarchs, Moses, and the prophets. The Son of God clearly spoke to the apostles and first century believers. And the Holy Spirit, described as our teacher, counselor, and guide, speaks to this generation. I like what C.S. Lewis said, he is there and he is not silent. He is there and our God is not silent. Finding God's will. How many of you want to know the will of God? How many of you are here tonight because you want to know the will of God? Well, guess, guess how you get to know God's will? By hearing his voice. Believers often ask me, I hear it all the time as a pastor, what, what is God's will for me? I wish I knew God's will for me. What do we actually mean when we say we want to know the will of God? Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, you, you go to the Word, and there you find His will. But the Word does not have a verse on who you're to marry. It's not there. It's not in 4th John chapter 1, verse 3. It's not there. Not Paul or Dave or Steve or Diane or Debbie. They're not there. So how do you know the will of God? You've got to hear His voice. The, the Word is not going to tell you where to move or where to go to church or where to work. It can give you guidelines, but there's times in our life, and it happens all the time, that, if, that we need to be listening to the voice of the Lord speaking to us by the Spirit. We need to find God's will. Now, it means we want to know His plan for our lives. Boy, I know I do. I believe I'm in the epicenter of it. We want his guidance and specific decisions so we can make wise choices. We desire his direction in the circumstances of life, don't we? Amen? The question we should be asking is, how can I know the voice of God? Knowing the voice of God results in finding the will of God and learning to hear his voice is how we discover his will. Jesus clearly taught that we were to live by hearing God's voice. Read with me what Jesus said to the devil. He quoted a verse, didn't he? Let's read it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he's telling us we're going to live by hearing God's voice. Interestingly, the Greek word proceeds, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is in the verb tense that speaks of a continuing function. It means something that happened in the past, it's happening in the present, and it's going to continue in the future. God did speak, He is speaking, and He will speak. Every word that is continually proceeding from the mouth of God is what we live on. God is continually speaking to communicate His will to mankind. question is, are we listening? Now let me give you two ways that God speaks. There are two Greek words translated as word in the Bible. They are logos and rhema. Those are the two ways God speaks. Now, let me tell you the difference between them. The word logos is the word that means divine utterance or written word. Everybody hold up your Bible. If you got your Bible with you, hold it way up. And what you're holding is the logos, okay? You're holding the logos. It's the word of God. It's the written word. It is the divine utterance of God, all right? We hold in our hands that Bible, and, and, and it is sacred. It's not like any book in the, in the world. It's not like any other book, the Logos, the written word. Now, in John 1.1, 1, 1, Jesus is called the Word 
Logos. In the beginning was the Logos. And the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. What is John telling us by the Spirit? That Jesus literally is God's divine utterance. Well, that's powerful. You're holding in your hand a precious commodity. A precious commodity. Now, so he is the divine utterance. Jesus is the very word of God. Now we come to the word rhema. The word rhema means spoken word. But many Bible scholars and theologians refer to a rhema word as being a right now word. Or a word for a specific person. Or a current situation. A rhema is when God speaks to you in your now and gives you a word of direction, a word of comfort, a word of guidance, a word of strengthening. He, that, that logos leaps out at you and becomes a personalized rhema. Here's the key. When it comes to reading the Bible, which is the logos, there will be times when you get an understanding or revelation beyond the words that are written on the page. Happened to me this morning. I'm reading out of the book of Acts. And I'm reading about when the, the uh, disciples got arrested and they're thrown in jail. And, and the Sanhedrin is having this big controversy. And they said, let's, let's just go ahead and kill them. But a man named Gamaliel spoke up. Gamaliel was Saul who became Paul's teacher. He taught him Judaism when Saul was Saul. Now, Gamaliel spoke up and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me give you some advice here. If what they're doing is the work of men, it will come to nothing. But if this is the work of God, you will never defeat it. Now, when I read that, the Logos jumped out and grabbed me by the throat and became a rhema. Because it said to me, it said to me, as long as you're in a work of God, man cannot destroy it. Man cannot. So the Logos, the written word, became a rhema to me, and it strengthened my faith because I know that whether we come under persecution or whatever trouble comes on this land, as long as we are in the center of God's will and doing his work, if it's of man, it'll come to nothing. But if it's of God, you cannot overthrow it. It will not be stopped. Amen? So do you see how that became a rhema to me? And it became personal. All right? And that's, that's what you want in your Bible study. You want to be reading that Bible and have someone go Rump, and grab you and say, ah, that's for me. I think it ought to happen every time. It ought to happen every time you're in that word. Now, so a revelation beyond the words that are written on the page. That understanding and revelation that you get is an example of a rhema word. A passage jumps off the pages and addresses a now situation in your life. It speaks directly to you in a relevant now way that provides understanding, guidance, or confirmation. You know that God spoke to you out of the Logos and made it personal. It's like studying in school or doing your homework. And you're reading along, you've been having a hard time understanding some math formula or whatever, and suddenly you get an aha moment. And the light goes off and you go, got it. 
you get a moment where you say, now I see it. I didn't understand before, but now I see. In the biblical context, this is aha moment. Is the Lord giving you a rhema word? Read the Psalms. You'll get a rhema word. Read Psalms 23, Psalms 91, Psalms 119. You'll get a rhema word. Read Hebrews. You'll get a rhema word. God will jump out from those pages and speak to his children because we hear his voice. It's a word tailor-made for you and your current situation, and it comforts you. The good thing about a rhema word is that it can come at any time. You can be driving in your car in rush hour traffic and a rhema word drops on your heart. Uh, it can be at, while you're shopping at the store. You've heard that rhema word, haven't you? Go ahead and get it. That may or may not be a rhema word. That may be the voice of the stranger talking to you. Go ahead and whip out that plastic and go ahead and get it. God, God wants to bless you. Well, you need to check that voice. But it can happen at work. God can speak to you something in your spirit. And it's a rhema word. It just comes to you. And you know that the voice of the Father has spoken because my sheep hear my voice. The rhema word that he speaks can be something that tells you what you need to do, where you need to go. Or it can be something to soothe your mind and give you peace. The rhema word can tell you to continue in a relationship or end a relationship. It can tell you to continue in a job or end a job. It can tell you Anything God wants to direct your life about, the rhema word comes to us. Usually when you get a rhema word, an emotion of joy or excitement, and I should have written down, or profound peace comes with it. God gave me a rhema word. I'm settled. You know, I, it put a perk in my step today just reading that as it jumped out at me, and I knew, man, as long as you're doing God's will, it's indestructible. Man can't bring it down. All right? Now, the Bible says in Jonah 1.1, read this with me, everybody. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying. Now, let's just stop right there with that verse. In essence, it's saying the rhema word of the Lord happened to Jonah. Go to Nineveh. It was an event. It was a life changer. It was a rhema word. I want you to go to Nineveh and tell him to repent. And he ran the other way, and God had another rhema word for him. Welcome to Mr. Whale. Let me talk to you in his stomach for a few days. And that rhema word changed his life around too. He said, you let this whale spit me on the shore, and I'm heading straight to Nineveh. And it happened. Now, a powerful passage in John 12, 48, just to show you the difference between the two, uses both rhema and logos in the same verse. Now watch this with me. Jesus said, he that rejects me and receives not my words, in the Greek, rhema, who receives not my rhema, has one that judges him. The word logos that I have spoken, the same is going to judge him at the last day. Who's he talking about? People that heard the gospel. And as they heard the gospel, it became a living word to them, a rhema that spoke to their heart. And if they reject that rhema, when God has quickened them and said, you need the Savior that you just heard about, and you reject it, you don't receive it, then the Logos of God, what Jesus has spoken, is what will judge you at the last day, because it'll be played before you. You heard the gospel right there. 
You heard the Logos. You heard the word preached. And then when it was preached, it was made alive to you. It became a rhema to you. And you didn't receive it. So now that very word is going to judge you. Note the Logos word of God was preached to them, but as they heard it, it became a rhema word. Isn't that powerful? I've seen it happen a million times. They reject it to their own doom. In Acts 10.44, we find the same thing. It says, while Peter yet spoke these words, rhema, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the Logos. So they were listening to the Bible preached, the Logos, and it became a rhema to them. It became real. They said, wow, this is real. I, I want what I'm hearing. And it says the power of the Holy Ghost fell upon them. They received the rhema of God. Folks, when God speaks to us, it's very dangerous and costly to not respond to it, to reject it. When he warns us, when he counsels us, when we're reading along and something jumps out of that Bible and talks to us and we know that suddenly the shepherd is there speaking to our hearts in a rhema word, it's very costly to say, well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the very thing James said don't do. Don't be a hearer and not a doer. Because you can hear, and we're going to talk about this next time, you'll never develop a hearing ear by refusing or rejecting the word he gives you. We get a hearing ear as we obey. So look at that. Peter spoke a rhema to them. He was preaching and it became a rhema. And those that heard that logos and it became a rhema, a living word to them, they were touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. The and I see this every weekend. We'll give an invitation and I'll see people come down to get saved, to give their, their hearts to the Lord. And I'll notice a lot of other people out there that just weren't moved that way, but I know they don't walk with him. These people are responding to the rhema, and their life has changed. Now here's a summary. God's word is the Logos. The Logos word is made alive by the Holy Spirit, who applies it to our hearts in a personal, now kind of way. It is the rhema word that we respond to in faith in order to lay hold of God's promises. Good stuff. Now, let me tell you, there's many voices out there in that world. I'm going to show you four of them before we go tonight. Are you ready? Not only does God speak, but there are other voices competing with the voice of God all the time, every day. And they speak to us. They're clamoring for our attention. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, Quote, there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without significance. They're all significant because they all have a source. So there's Paul. There's lots of voices in the world. Phonos, voices in the world. Now, what are these voices in the world? Well, first, there's the voice of man. There is the voice of man. The voice of man is easy to recognize. You're hearing a man talk to you right now. It's the audible voice of another human being. It's the voice of man. Here's a verse, Acts 5, 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than what, everybody? 
the voices of men. Anytime there is a contest between the voice of a man or the voice of God, there is no contest. Where God speaks, and I'm going to talk about this this weekend, where when God speaks, all opinions must die. When God has spoken, all competing voices become subservient to that voice. So Peter's laying it out. Hey, we heard the voice of man telling us, don't ever preach in this name. Don't ever preach in the name of Jesus. Quit preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. And he said, guess what? We've got to obey the voice of God more than the voices of men. Sometimes the voice of man can give wise advice, but anytime the voice of man conflicts with the voice of God, say it with me, you must obey God. Do you believe that? You may need to really believe that someday. What are you going to do if you're being threatened? They're saying, renounce all this Christianity stuff. And it's a voice of a man. Can't do it. I've got to obey the voice of the Lord and not the voice of men. Remember those words of Peter. Peter told the Sanhedrin, it says, Peter and John said, if it's right to listen to you more than to God, you decide about that. For we must tell what we have seen and heard. Okay? Now then there's the voice of Satan. Satan has a voice. It says the voice of Satan was first heard by man when he spoke to Eve in the Garden of Eden. And that voice of Satan immediately challenged the Word of God in Eve's life. He attacked the voice of God, the Word of God. But Satan has a voice. And believe me, it's shouting in our current world. Satan's voice lies, it deceives, and always attempts to lead man into sin away from God. How do you know Satan is lying if he's speaking? Because Jesus said he cannot tell the truth. There's not a syllable that can come out of his mouth that is true. He's a liar, and he's the father of lies. But he's a good one. He's an effective one. He's an influential liar, but he's a liar. You can easily recognize this when you read of the temptation of Jesus by Satan in Matthew 4, 1 through 13. You can also read the type of conversations Satan has with God concerning Job. Have you considered Job, said God? And Satan said, ah, it's all fluff. If you take away his blessing, he'll curse you to your face. And Job uh, was attacked by Satan in the presence of God. Satan has a voice. Now, guess what? So do his evil spirits, demons. The demons of Satan also have voices. Church, not only do they have voices, but Paul said they teach. In the last days, men are going to depart from the faith, giving heed to spirits that seduce and doctrines of demons, which is religious teachings of demons. So demons not only have a voice, but they teach. And they're teaching from that television day and night. They're teaching from magazines day and night, secular sources day and night. The voice of demon spirits are competing with the voice of God. It's as real as rain. For unclean spirits, it says in Acts 8 verse 7, unclean spirits crying with loud voice, with loud what? Voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. What came out of them? A voice, but it wasn't their voice. Now, I don't mean to creep you out, because I don't like dealing with demons. 
I'd rather preach them out than cast them out. And I've preached a few out lately. I'm not calling any person a demon, but I'm telling you, I'm confronting people and issues with truth. And I can tell. You can tell when a, when a spirit is riled up. Listen, demon spirits cannot stand the Word of God. They cannot stand the moving of the Holy Spirit. They cannot stand Jesus Christ. They cannot stand the mention of His name. They cannot stand the mention of the blah, 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 blood. You talk about the blood of Jesus, it drives demons crazy. They can't stand it because it's redemptive and the blood destroyed them. So, so the voices came out of these people. And it was the voice of demons. And in the synagogue, it says there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. And what did he do? Cried out with a what kind of voice? Loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know thee, who you are, the Holy One of God. The devil knows Jesus. Demons believe and tremble. The devil knows where he's headed. The devil knows his doom. The devil knows that it's Christ who's going to cast them into the lake of fire for all eternity. That's why they said, have you come to destroy us before our time is up? And they spoke with a voice. There is the voice of man, there is the voice of Satan, and there's the voice of demons. And guess what? There's the voice of self. The voice of self is man talking to himself. How many of you, tell the truth, talk to yourself? You have a real good talk with yourself. <laughs> you, know, you know what? You've got to be real careful what you say to yourself. You do. Um, Naaman, I remember Naaman, king of Syria, when he was, had the leprosy, uh, it, and Elijah was going to heal him. And Elijah gave him a method that he didn't expect. And he said to himself, and he began to talk to himself negatively. This isn't what I expected. He said to himself, I'm going to hit the road and go back. He said to him, he almost talked himself out of healing. You got to be careful what you say to yourself. I'm a no good, rotten, wretched failure of a person. I'm going down. There's no hope for me. <sighs> nobody knows the trouble I've seen you can write your own country song and you're always singing the blues when it's you talking to yourself nobody loves me ever has ever will I don't know what's gonna I'll probably die young and you talk to yourself and you don't say to yourself what God says to you about you you got to talk to yourself what God says to you about you. Not what men say or the devil says, but what does God say? You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. I mean, God will talk you up and the devil will talk you down every time. So the voice of self is when you're muttering to yourself. You can read examples of this in Luke 16.3 and 18.4 and other places in Jonah 4.8 where the prophet wished in himself to die. He was having suicidal talk with himself. The Bible warns concerning this voice of self. Listen to this, Jeremiah 10, verse 23. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his steps. 
Let me translate that. You're never going to lead yourself in the right path without the help of God. So listen to yourself as long as yourself is repeating what God says about yourself. And finally, there's the voice of God. This is the one we want. Jesus said in John 10, 1 through 5, that believers could know the voice of God and distinguish it from strange voices that give wrong guidance. Quote, for sure I tell you, the man who goes into the sheep pen, said Jesus, the man who goes into the sheep pen some other way than through the door is one who steals and robs. The shepherd of the sheep goes in through the door. The one who watches the door opens it for him. And look what it says about us. The sheep listen to the voice of the shepherd. Can we say that together? The sheep listen to the voice of the shepherd. Now let me just take out two and replace it with four. Can we say it again? The sheep listen for the voice of the shepherd. When you get up in the morning, you are to listen for the voice of the shepherd. What does it say? Jesus said he calls his own sheep by name. Hey, Peggy, Sue. Hey, Dave, Jeff, John. Hey, he knows your name. And he leads them out. When the shepherd walks ahead of them, what do they do? They follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. They will not follow someone they do not know. Jesus said, because they do not know his voice. They will do what? Run. You hear the voice of the stranger coming to you? Tempting you? Luring you? Enticing you? You used to have an alcohol problem. You're driving down the road. And there you see it. Liquor. Stop. The voice of the stranger says, you've had a hard day. God understands. Go ahead and pull off. You won't drink much. You'll just get one little old wine or something. It's okay. You deserve a break. Pull over. And you go, that's the voice of a stranger. Another voice says, don't do it. Be filled with the Spirit. Keep going straight. Go home. Call somebody and tell them you're being tempted and don't do it. And I will bless you. And you go, I got two voices talking to me. The voice of the... And the voice of the shepherd. What does he say? They will run away from the voice of the stranger. Notice how Jesus clearly and undeniably taught that his followers would know and follow his voice. Believers are compared to sheep. Everybody say, bye. <laughs> Can I tell you the truth about sheep? They're not real sharp. <laughs> now, they may have a high IQ. Here's what I mean by that. When it comes to spiritual things, uh-uh, that, that dog won't hunt. People, as sheep with spiritual things, need to be led. Brilliant people get into stupid trouble because they're sheep. And they need to be led. Jesus said he was the shepherd or the leader of the sheep. He said his sheep would know his voice and follow him instead of the strange voices of men, self, or Satan. David the psalmist said, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. 
That's it for tonight. I want to stop right there. And I want you to see law, what we have just heard. That God is talking. There are other voices talking, but you and I are hardwired as believers to hear the voice of the shepherd. Now, next time, we're going to talk about the hearing ear. No, I went forward, backward, where'd I lose it? Well, anyway, we're going to talk about how to develop a hearing ear. There it is, hearing aids, removing the clutter. We're going to get things out of the way that keep us from hearing God. And we're going to get hearing aids. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Let's stand together, can we? Isn't God good? How many of you are going to get up in the morning, open that Bible, and expect a rhema? Amen? I tell you, I can't wait. I, it's my big moment of the day. I go out, oh, I can't wait. I open up the Bible. I never leave without a rhema. It picks me up. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Father, thank you that you gave us as your people a hearing ear. You gave us spiritual ears to hear the voice of the Father. Now, Lord, we ask you to help us to tune in as the country boy did with the cricket. Help us to be able, as he was, to pick out the voice of the Father amongst the clamor and noise of this world. Can we just lift our hands to him? And I want you to say, Lord, open my ears. Increase my ability to hear your voice. Give me that hearing ear. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.